0: You're listening to the Digital Forensics Files podcast with your host, Tyler Hatch from DFI Forensics. Hello and welcome to the Digital Forensics Files podcast. This is episode two. Today we are gonna talk about the top five things to do after you detect a cyber attack. So let's just briefly talk about cyber attacks in general. So there are many forms of them. One of the most common of which is ransomware attacks in which um, a vulnerability in your network is exploited. Generally they're coming in through successful phishing emails in which uh, some of your personnel uh, clicks on a link or downloads an attachment. Uh, containing a malicious code which encrypts your entire database. And unless you have an adequate backup, you're going to be in a very bad position. Your whole network will be shut down and uh, a lot of people quite reasonably pay the ransom to get uh, decryption keys back. But that doesn't immediately mean you're going to be up and running. It actually takes quite some time to decrypt data and unscramble all the stuff that was never meant to be encrypted in the first place. So it's quite a problem. Uh, Of course, you've got your data breach investigation, or sorry, um, data breach incidents in which a malicious actor will try to access your network for the purpose of accessing your your confidential information, the confidential information that you keep on your clients and their uh, pedigree information like financial and identification information, which they will then use to... Either sell or do some sort of identity theft um, benefit to the attacker uh, but ransomware is really really popular right now because there's no middleman uh, an attacker can directly uh, extort money from the organization whereas a data breach situation they sort of have to mine your data and uh, sell it in the nefarious places of the internet or to third parties um, so Um, While it's lucrative, there's a little bit more involved. So ransomware attacks are incredibly popular right now, and they're showing absolutely no sign of slowing down. So let's launch right into it. Hopefully, you have a system to detect and monitor your IT network. And when you detect some sort of network intrusion, there's a list of things that you're going to want to immediately do. Um, So number one on the list, it's more of a don't do. So you do not want to start shutting information and systems down, taking them offline, rebooting, reinstalling. That's a very bad idea because it will not allow you to learn what happened, how you were attacked in the first place, what vulnerabilities were exploited. Uh, That's essentially nuking the scene of the crime. There's no way that a forensics team can come in after the fact once that's been done, and it often is. There's no way we can come in after the fact and uh, gather the, the digital evidence that we need to determine what you need to know to, to avoid this thing from happening in the future. So, number one, do not do that. Uh, number two, you're going to want to contact uh, the lawyer who's involved in your incident response plan. So, um, what an incident response plan is, it's a, it's a playbook to run when you detect an incident and everybody knows what their role is and who to contact. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. Uh, The first call you should make and the the first person you should have in your playbook is the name of a very good lawyer who specializes in um, privacy and data breach uh, situations and they can run the play. The reason why we want to do that is so that any evidence that Say for example, your forensics team collects and determines that maybe there was some fault or some error that happened that allowed this network intrusion to occur. Um, if you, if we're engaged through the lawyer, all of our work will be covered under solicitor-client privilege. Therefore, if there's a future lawsuit over the event, um, our report to you, our report to the lawyer, will not be disclosed unless it's in your benefit to do so because you have the option to keep it confidential under the rubric of uh, solicitor-client privilege. So hopefully we have an incident response lawyer in the plan and uh, they're running the play. The second call, of course, should be to your forensics team to start collecting evidence. So uh, that brings us to the third point. Um, It's not so much of what you should do, but what should be done in the circumstances. Number three, the lawyer should engage the digital forensics team To respond to the incident, gather evidence, contain the intrusion, and eradicate the threat. Um, Those things should be done in swift order. And once the evidence is collected, then by all means, uh, let's nuke the problem, eliminate the threat, and move on to the investigation to figure out what happened. Um, Number four of things you should do. uh, Immediately report the incident to your cyber insurance provider your cyber insurance contact. Um, everybody should explore the option of obtaining a cyber insurance policy. If you don't have a contact, please reach out to me. I can put you in touch with people all across North America. It's absolutely vital that you have this kind of a loss, The or sorry, protection. The losses that can arise from a data breach are incredibly uh, the potential to go in, incredibly broad is, is there. Uh, similarly, even if it's uh, just a ransomware attack, you're looking at the cost from paying the ransom and um, engaging a forensics team and, and doing all these things. But the real crippling losses from a ransomware attack is the fact that your business is shut down. So um, people think, okay, well, we can eradicate the threat and we can get our business up and running very quickly that's not the case that may be the perception but it's not the case when you negotiate say you're left in a situation where you've been caught off guard you were not adequately protected and your backup either was not there or it got encrypted as well which often happens say you're in that situation then you have to make the decision to pay the ransom or not if you pay the ransom and a lot of people do It takes some time to negotiate the deal, pay the cryptocurrency to the attacker, and get the encryption key. Uh, And while they do provide the encryption key, because if they didn't, they wouldn't get paid, and they wouldn't get a reputation for being trustworthy in these sorts of transactions. So there is a minimum level of trustworthiness amongst these uh, cyber criminals. So they will provide you with an encryption key, but they're sneaky, and they're psychopaths, and they have no remorse. So in a lot of cases, they will double encrypt Um, certain files so that you will have to come back once you realize that one encryption key isn't enough. Um, You need then a second one, which you didn't know at the time that you paid the first ransom. Now you're on the hook for paying a second ransom. Uh, I think a lot of people anticipate that once you get a decryption key, you're up and running immediately. You're not. Decryption takes a long time. And Certain data is not meant to be encrypted in the first place, so unscrambling it and fixing all those problems takes an enormously long time. And If you think about the revenue for your business, you've got to ask yourself, how long can I be shut down and not generating revenue before uh, my entire business is uh, at stake? the future of the, the organization is at stake. It's it's a, an incredibly damaging proposition to be the victim of a ransomware attack. That's why we hear some of these uh, larger municipal attacks in the United States recently, where, yes, a large ransom of, of six figures or more was paid, but all of a sudden we're hearing losses in uh, up to millions and millions of dollars, and you wonder how that could be. Well, it's because when you have a large IT network and you're decrypt decrypting all those files, it takes a very, very long time to get up and running again. Uh, So they're incredibly damaging. They go on for a much longer period than people think. So I encourage people to always have a cyber insurance policy for that kind of uh, protection in place. Absolutely well worth it. And number four on the list, of course, contact your cyber insurance provider. The last thing you're going to want to do well, not the last, but on the last on this list anyway. So number five, you're going to want to conduct a full and thorough investigation to figure out what the heck happened in the first place. So um, oftentimes, in the great majority of cases, these incidents are happening because of uh, your personnel has, has clicked or downloaded a file that they got in an email. And um, you need to learn precisely what happened so that we can educate your personnel and avoid it from happening in the future. There seems to be a very large perception that people can recognize a phishing email and avoid it. If that was the case, these things absolutely would not be happening. There are very sophisticated emails that that go down, uh, are sent out, and they're incredibly personal. They prey on human emotion. So these cyber attackers, they will do some reconnaissance on your organization. They'll figure out uh, who your supply chain is, who your boss is, what your role in the company is, and they'll craft a, a, a well-orchestrated uh, phishing email that's very personal to you. And you may detect in hindsight something was unusual about it. But in the moment, a lot of people sufficiently let their guard down to the point where they're clicking on these links. So um, you definitely want to do an investigation and figure out what was going on. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This has been episode two of the Forensic Files podcast. We'll see you on the next one.